Today's episode of Yin's Above Replacement is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. How you doing? Thank you for stopping by the Yin's Above Replacement Podcast. This is episode 49. We are moving along and not a lot of real memorable players wore number 49. Nate McLeod, he was pretty good. Jose Mesa had a year. Uh, Jerry Don Gleaton, who I always thought should be like the sheriff in the Smokey and the Bandit series or something like that. But no, he was actually a big league pitcher. Tim Wakefield, you remember him? Kind of through soft, but effectively. So those are your 49s, and it's still day 449 or 4049 or whatever of MLB Under Quarantine. I am Rob Beertemple, recording from a safe location in suburban Pittsburgh, and I am joined by the sanitized Stephen J. Nesbitt. Rob, I want to give a quick little sidebar about my favorite 49, Jeff Locke. And he gave one of the more memorable post-game sessions uh, in my tenure as Pirates beat writer. It was down in Miami. You may remember he went complete game and three-hit uh, deal. And it was the best start of his, you know, the best start maybe of the forgotten All-Stars Pirates career. Mm-hmm. I went back and found this story because he was so salty afterward. <laughs> um, he, like, you, he, he used it as such a, like, trying to silence his critics. Be like, ah, see, I told you. <laughs> and... I want to read an excerpt from my story. Locke saw one tweet Monday night that went to the best of his memory like this. Go figure. Jeff Locke throws a three-hit complete game shutout while the entire city is watching the Penguins. That's so Jeff Locke. I laughed so hard, Locke said. I said, that's perfect. I'm glad nobody saw it. It makes me happy. Why happy? Just because, I don't know, I get way more torment probably than anybody else, but I don't mind it. I know you're only as good as your last outing, especially in our city. On the road, you're supposed to be hated. You're supposed to be welcomed at home, but I guess I haven't won anybody over, and I'm not going to try to. I walked out of there. I said, "This that was that was perfect. That was Jeff that Locke's was Jeff one Locke. AJ moment. It was his one true AJ moment. He Everything he'd learned from AJ was distilled <laughs> into that post-game session at Marlins Park. And so that's my 49. Jeff Locke, he's... I'd imagine he has just retired to North Conway, New Hampshire, and living the life up there. But uh, what a what a time he had with the with the old Buckos. A lot of those kind of guys who you look back on and say, "Yeah, he had that great game." Um, <laughs> I asked a player. This is kind of an aside, and I don't give away too much. But we're doing like a like a Pirates alumni player poll thing, you and I. And I talked to Tom Gorzolani the other day. And I said, Tom, uh, I got one of the questions here. What's your most memorable game with the Pirates? Long pause. <laughs> and his answer was to, to the extent of, you know, Rob, we didn't have a lot of memorable games when I was there. 
And I said, yeah. He says, I don't know. I threw a shutout. Maybe that or, well, when I played for Washington, there was a night we clinched the division. I'm like, yeah. Well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think we're going to get a lot of the answers like that over, uh, over some of these guys. But hey, we could talk about yeah. baseball now, except there is no baseball now. It'll it, be here in May. <laughs> it'll be so here in May. I don't know if I believe that or not. Uh, yeah, why don't you fill everybody in on, on the plan that was floated, or at least the suggestion yeah. that was floated by ESPN and our own Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. Yeah. Yeah, I want to the, – the this really blew up overnight, uh, two nights ago now, when Jeff Passan at ESPN wrote about how the union and, and the league were discussing a plan to get baseball back um, on track as soon as May and have every team – go to Arizona and just basically hold everything there at the spring training sites and Chase Field down in Arizona. Um, I want to be clear. I'm not knocking Jeff Passan here. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And if the if these sides are talking about it, you know, that's the news. If you can get any information about how they're, how they're thinking, what they're discussing, cool. Um, the logistics of this are tricky. So it would mean every player goes down there and basically everyone is just like in their hotels. You can't go out. Um, there was some talk of not even being able to be around family and you get to the park. I think you'd be tested and then you'd play the games. So a number of tricky things there is first off, you're going to be playing like 15, 14, 15 games a, a day probably. And I don't think we even have that many ballparks in the area. I think there are 10 of them plus chase field. And you're also going to be uh, only one of them is a dome that being Chase Field. And so you're going to be playing in like 100, you know, 110 degree temperatures at times. Like I, I don't, maybe you just play all night games. So <clears throat> it's going to be tricky. The bottom line here, Rob, is like if there's a way to play baseball, they're going to do everything they can and they're going to consider every option. Um, but pretty quickly yesterday, the league came out and said, like, whoa, hold whoa, your horses. Whoa. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> like uh, our, the, the, the trial balloon we floated, maybe it got a little too far away from us. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about things. We're talking about all our options. And, you know, this is one we've discussed. Uh, but, uh, but it's no, no done deal, no certainty. And, uh, you know, Ken and Jeff have both talked about the, you know, the difficulties that, that, that the, uh, a system like this would, would carry with it. But they've also talked about, you know, why the two sides would do it. And yeah, there are some reasons that you'd, you'd kind of go to extreme lengths to, get a season to happen and, and basically all of them revolve around money. Uh, nobody <laughs> wants to really go the whole year without getting any money. Right. So, um, yeah, so it was definitely interesting and, you know, this not necessarily anything wrong with on a Tuesday, you know, dominating the news cycle with, with a new idea. Um, I was, I, I had been talking to a couple friends the night before and one of them, you know, baseball fan, but not like a pirates fan was saying like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, can we get back, up this summer, I said, you know, I've, I've been targeting, you know, July 1st is maybe a possibility. If you get too much after that, you're not really going to have time to fit in a season. I said, but the first thing you have to be able to do is have instant testing. Now, before we have that, then until we have that, then like every idea is going to sound silly. And while the, while this, uh, you know, trend line for uh, COVID cases is still going up, then announcing any new ideas is going to sound pretty, you know, yeah. asinine. And, <laughs> And like, that's, that's why I, however this got leaked, that I think is the, on, you know, it's on them for doing that because it's not on Jeff and Ken for reporting these ideas. 
it's on whoever um, let that slide because you, you have to understand baseball is going to look very um, insincere and um, I don't know. It, it's just this is not the time to be while, – while people are still getting sick at an increasing rate – this is not the time to be like, hey, we found an idea to get baseball back on track. And it's yeah. sooner than you think. Okay, I think exactly what happened is exactly what just happened there. You had a, a – everybody's on a Zoom link up discussing this, and uh, you had a couple people throwing in ideas at once. And this – on, on the surface, the Arizona uh, quarantine league you know, season thing, it, it's feasible, I suppose. There's a lot sure. of moving parts, and there's a lot of potential breach points which would have to be addressed. But I, I think too that it's something that probably is workable in a, in a smaller dose, uh, and I, I think they as they kept talking through it and said, well, yeah, we could probably do that. We could probably do that for two months or you know eight weeks or whatever. And then someone said, well, how about for 162 games? And there's a pause, and, yeah. and everybody, like you said, starts seeing images of those you know <clears throat> at least a little bit higher pile of cash, and said, so, eh, maybe, yeah, maybe we could make that work. Um, people won't mind being in a bubble for four and a half months, so let's do it in May. And it just kind of took off from there. It's just kind of spitballing. And I, and I think, you know, yeah, I think a lot of people saw it through that pretty quickly as it, well, that's, you know, <laughs> that's probably too, way, way too much to hope for. Um, and, and I think too, you know, some of the things that I was wondering about immediately beyond that would be like, well, okay, you, you mentioned the stadium situation. Yeah, Chase Field is, is the only domed, thing there. You have those minor league and spring training complexes that are also used for the Arizona Fall League. You could play there, but it does get to be, you know, rather toasty in the afternoons in Phoenix where you can have 110 degree heat and you're not going to put ball players out there in 100 degree heat to play a game. So you'd have to play games probably at night. You can, how many games could you get in, in Chase Field? It's a, it's a four hour game. Three? Games a day, maybe. Oh, you know, man. I mean, if you really pushed it and if you made them maybe seven in games, yeah, like um, you could do. I mean, you'd have to do one first thing in the morning. You'd have to like a ten a.m. game, then mm-hmm. you know, ten a.m., two p.m. I don't know, maybe three p.m. and then a night game. So you, you know, start using you start using these these minor league facilities, like keep calling minor league, the spring training facilities, which is good. You can get yeah. some more games in, but you're going to only have to play those games, like you say, either later at night or early in the morning. Which teams do you think are going to be the ones first pitch at 6.35 a.m.? I can tell you now it's the Pirates and the Rays and the Pirates and the Orioles and the Pirates and everybody else like that. It would end up being like when you're like a, a kid playing travel ball as a kid. Like you're driving early on Saturday mornings to some ballpark far away and uh, and you've got, yeah, like a 9.30, 10 a.m. first pitch on a Saturday. Yes. That's yeah, the dream, and that's what they're getting back to. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, the the idea I think is um, is very intriguing because players, as it stands right now, have no idea how much of their money they're actually going to get, or if they'll get anything more than these smaller stipends. And we still don't know what happens if we don't have a season, and what happens to contracts and salaries. Does it just get bumped for a year? Um, are players who are on one year deals just suddenly off of them and free agents again? Like this year happened, but. No one made any money. Um, service time, of course, is, is a mess. But I was it was interesting to hear from some players yesterday. I would say the initial reaction from almost everyone was, was no way yeah. that th- this isn't going to work. You're not going to stick everyone in a hotel and make you know try to make sure they they don't sneak out and you know 
say hi to their families and take them from their families for four months, maybe, um, then I think the initial reaction was like, yeah, it's not happening. Um, but there is a smaller group of, of, of fans and I talked to, or of players and I talked to one or two guys who felt this way that are, that are, and I will note, it's not the guys with, uh, you know, families, but it's guys who are just want to play ball, but they're like literally anything we can do to make a season happen. I'll do it. I'll go to wherever. If you want us to play in, in Alaska, I'll move there and I'll, I'll figure out a way to, to get on the field every day. Um, because these guys are, are, you know, owed a, you know, a couple million or half a million at least. Um, and they would like to, to collect that this year. So I, I think players, if they found a reasonable way to do this, players, uh, enough players would do it that you could probably make it happen. Um, but again, the timing I think is the worst part of this is I don't think COVID cases are, are supposed to be peaking in, in Arizona until sometime in May or June. So, um, to be talking about bringing in hundreds of, of baseball players and, you know, maybe a couple thousand personnel, um, it just doesn't sound like, well, you're just not going to have it received very well. As exciting as the idea is, it's, um, I think the, the response was pretty predictable that every, everyone kind of rolls their eyes or, um, you know, gets slightly excited because maybe, <laughs> maybe we can get sports <laughs> back, but it just, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to see some encouraging numbers first. And, and the other thing I want to throw at you, Rob, is, is mm-hmm. could you start this, let's say perfect world, you start this, um, you know, mid May, you're able to start these games up, seven inning games in Arizona. Um, after that, do you, you know, is there, is there a way you could, um, sorry, I have my phone ringing. Is there a way you could turn that into like two months later moving to the home parks? You know what I'm saying? Like, could this be just a a trial run in Arizona and, and if, and when numbers in certain cities get under, you know, under control, um, can you, you know, have the option of moving to the home park? Yeah, that's something I had thought about that, that maybe the whole Arizona thing, it, you know, it wouldn't have to be an entire season contained in that, in that bubble outside of Phoenix. Um, that maybe you could play. Yeah. You could start the year maybe in Arizona like that and end it elsewhere. Um, whether that means PNC park or other home parks or somewhere else, or perhaps again, or, or instead of May, if you're looking at a later, later start date, and then you can condense maybe, you know, to again, two, two and a half months or whatever in Arizona. If you can limit the time there where you have to keep everybody sequestered like that, it becomes a little bit more workable, I think. And it, yeah, I saw yesterday, I think it was yesterday as well that uh, Gary Bettman, the NHL has mentioned now it, you know, during a presser, I guess he, he mentioned that the canceling the season, the rest of the season, uh, and I, I assume the playoffs as well is, is more of an option now maybe than it was before. Um, if that's the case, I started wondering, well, then what, I mean, if, if any, say the NHL shuts it down now for 2020 and that's yeah. it, and then they're just going to pick it up again whenever they can pick it up again and start a whole new season. I, I think it's, you know, it, it would be great. I don't know if I necessarily want to say important because I guess it is, depends how you define important, but it would be great yeah. to have baseball again or to have it start do we need when, when do we start thinking about do we need to have a championship season is would it be enough to have two months of baseball and not have a playoffs um and because that's a whole other logistical ball of wax 
or maybe to say, you know, that the play we're, we're going to play now, but the playoff situation is tentative depending upon where the country is, where everything is, where the world is in two months. Um, would that be enough for yeah. you? Would that, would that be enough for fans? It, 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 it might I mean, be enough for me. Yeah, it would be enough for me to help, you know, get through this. Like you said, like I, it would be great for everyone to have some sort of sports back as long as it's safe, right? That caveat of like, mm-hmm. can we do this in a manner that's, that's responsible and, and we, <clears throat> we have contingencies in case someone gets sick and that type of thing. I don't, from the league perspective, I don't know if they would really bite because as much as they'd want to do that, I think they, so much of their money comes in from the postseason. The, the national postseason broadcast and yeah. um and so I I don't know I, I feel like they would do anything they can to save the postseason at this point mm-hmm. um you know the NHL NBA they at least had a chance to to get the majority of their season and you have a pretty reasonable look at what a postseason lineup would look like and you know of course everyone would love if they could find a way to to do that as well but yeah it it does you know complicate things a bit. And I don't know how deep into the year they, they're willing to go, um, with this. At some point, you're going to start, you know, it's, if you have a start of, you know, or, you know, Thanksgiving World Series or something like that or a Christmas thing, uh, like I think it's Scott Boris floated that idea. You have some World Series that ends around Christmas. Uh, you could do that in Arizona, sure, but you also are giving your players uh, a month and a couple weeks to get ready for the next spring training, which hopefully will be a lot more normal. So uh, that that's 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 pretty messy at that point. So and and you have to worry about are you putting guys' arms at risk and that that type of thing. So it's a fun idea. I think we'll have a bunch of fun ideas come along. Uh, but at the same time, like as much as we ask all these athletes uh, and 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 executives if they think baseball is coming back soon, if they're optimistic and all this stuff, as we, we've talked about in the past, like nothing really means anything at this time and, and we're just kind of have to to wait things out and be smart be safe and, and see if the numbers head in the right direction and then and then once they are these ideas will sound a lot less you know insane and insensitive <laughs> well moving from the harsh brutal world of reality into maybe a still somewhat harsh world of, of virtual baseball uh just want to throw out that the the athletic uh a lot of the writers have formed a, uh, a, okay, I guess you could say it's a fantasy league type thing, uh, through out of the, out, out of the park baseball, OOTP. And we're each, we, you know, we each picked up our team that we cover and it, it's, you know, the games are all simulated, but it's really more about, uh, roster manipulation. You're, you're acting more as a GM, uh, than you are necessarily as a, as a manager. You're not really scoring points. The games are just being played, you know, virtually the, the way the games are played. And uh, we've started the season this week. The Pirates, which is the, the team I'm running, uh, we <laughs> we're off to a two and four start. <laughs> and all uh, right, yeah. And we did win. The, we lost the opener, uh, but they they did win the the, the game two. Uh, and I'm happy to report that Trevor Williams, who again thanks Trevor for doing the Q and A on Monday on the Athletic site. Yeah, Trevor threw an eight inning. Three hitter, uh, Kella got the save. Wow! Yeah, Keone tossed a one, two, three, ninth, and got the save. Then they and they, they beat the, uh, the the D Rays three nil. Uh, they scored the runs the way the Pirates always are going to score the runs. Moran hits into a double play. Uh, Frazier gets a two out single, and then in the top of the ninth, big Greg Polanco hits a solo homer. Um, Heyo! 
but it hasn't gone so well since then. So I made uh, roster moves and traded uh, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Made a big trade. I, I gave Whoa, up again. Yeah, well, I know. I just, just, just you know, the, the D backs are now Pittsburgh West, and I, I gave <laughs> up Keone Kella, Chris Archer, Kevin Kramer, and outfitter minor league outfitter Lolo Sanchez, and I acquired from Arizona Dalton Varsho, uh, a catcher, okay, uh, Gary Varsho's son, and he's rated. I think Baseball America has him rated the number one prospect in the D back system right now. Left hander Robbie Ray who's in the final year of a $9 million contract, and a low-level right-hander with a 100-mile-an-hour arm, uh, Yosmer Alvarez. I picked up those three guys. Wow. And I thought, you know, this one, you know, because I, I need to – I'm looking for the future. I'm, I'm, you know, and I think the 2-4 and four record is, is a portends things to come. So, uh, you know, I see Dalton Varsho as my starting catcher, not this year, but but beyond. Uh Robbie Rave, whatever, his salary and, and Archer's salary were essentially the same. Archer actually was a little bit more expensive. He's a left, uh, Ray's a left-hander. He's, he's, you know, put up some decent numbers. He's in the final year of a contract. Okay, whatevs. Yasmer Alvarez, I just like the, the upside there as a, as a pitcher and I try to get a pitcher in every deal. So I thought, hey, this is going to be great. People in Pittsburgh, at least my virtual Pittsburgh, are going to love me for finally getting out from under that, that horrible trade and, and, we're at Meadows and, and, and Glass now and putting all that behind me. And I think I'll probably be carried on the virtual streets of Pittsburgh and in a parade on people's shoulders and whatnot. <laughs> Instead, I got an email this morning from my league uh, roundup thing that says that the fan base is is disgusted by the trade and fan interest, which at the beginning of the season, fan interest was listed as pathetic, <laughs> not just bad, <laughs> pathetic. And it gets worse. <laughs> it gets even worse. So people in Pittsburgh, at least my little virtual Pittsburgh, are honked off that I traded Keone Kella and, and more so that I traded Chris Archer. I, so I just I have a feeling that I I already have a lot more empathy for what Ben Sherrington must be going through uh, and, and what lies ahead for him because he just you just can't make people happy. You know, you, you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. This, this, this I have a couple pretty. couple questions. First mm-hmm. off, I want to point out Gregory Polanco has been great in these simulations because <laughs> he homered for you. He hit two homers in my dice baseball game in Dang. the opener against Ron Gentile. So big year coming for Gregory Polanco if he ever gets on the field. And uh, who was your opening day starter? My opening day starter was Chris Archer. I traded him after the opener. Um, so I got a, a loss out How of him. How did he do? He lost, right? Yeah, he took the loss there. So, oh, and, and also Joe Musgrove, they, they do virtual injuries in this virtual league. And at the end of spring training, uh, again, according to this OOTP, uh, Musgrove, uh, smacked his car, uh, at a, at a fender bender and was hurt for a couple of days, but then was okay. And then he pitches his first game and immediately strains a hamstring. So, uh, yeah, but, but, po- well, Polanco in my league has, he's hitting a buck 82. Jared Dyson is hitting a buck 11. Josh Bell is hitting 100 with one home run. Adam Frazier through six games is hitting 478. And he is going to win the freaking batting title, baby. Yeah, that's why you trade him. Uh, Brian Reynolds though hitting 095. This, uh, first semi- week of the season. Kevin Newman 304. So, you know. Well, hey, we'll, we'll look forward to to following OOTP 
and see what these bus- buckos can do. I, I don't know. I think the fans will turn around and and realize the the uh, the importance of pulling in Dalton Varsho, who was uh, taken off the table by the Diamondbacks in Starling Marte trade discussions. All you had to do was say, "All right, fine, I'll give you the, the half of my roster, and you can give me Dalton Varsho." So Nando, yeah, Nando I like it. A lot more agreeable. I like it. The D-backs just wanted a little more help in the rotation, and and here we are. So OOTP, great. Um, I've been enjoying some of these some of these um, series we've been doing at the Athletic. Um, this week we kicked off a couple of new ones. One of them, um, I don't know if it's a new series, but it's uh, people just writing about their favorite players. Mm-hmm. And we've had some. Mine. I'm not from Pittsburgh. My favorite players were not from Pittsburgh. They're all Detroiters. So I wrote wrote about a hockey player named Pavel Datsuk, and. But we've had other people chip in and write about, uh, we had Dustin Depirek wrote about Andy Van Slyke and, uh, have had to help all over. So check out those. I think it's very, very entertaining. It's always, I mean, we always, as kids, we have this just undying love for certain players. They might not be the best in the world, but there are our favorites <laughs> and there's a reason for it. So I've, um, I've enjoyed that one a lot. And then also we, uh, kicked off one this week, uh, about one hit wonders. And I wrote about the time that, um, I met Mark the Bird Fidrich with my brothers and my dad in Detroit, um, 2000. Uh, he was probably almost, almost 50, I think. Um, he ended up dying in 2009, I think it was. Um, but it was crazy to meet him, mostly crazy because my dad adored this guy and my dad's a pretty, <clears throat> pretty laid back guy, but I remember just how excited he was to, to meet him. And, uh, and then at the same time, us uh, boys having no clue who this dude was. <laughs> like I'd never heard his name, didn't know his legend, anything, uh, and I've learned much more over the years. So, uh, one hit wonders and uh, Rob, I wanted to bring that in here into our little podcast and ask if you had any, any favorites. I know you're going to be writing about them, um, in full here, but, uh, any, any favorite pirate one hit wonder? Yeah. The, uh, we're, we're recording this on, uh, Wednesday. April 8th, and I think the story, the, the Pirates one-hit wonder story is going to drop on the 9th, which will be Thursday morning. But I did, I took it, I took kind of a different approach with my story about, instead of listing a one-hit wonder for the Pirates, because there's so many players and so many possibilities for that, I decided to look at it a couple of different ways. I looked at it, a guy who had a, had that one glorious season uh, and then kind of faded. And for me, uh, the, the guy that stood out a little bit was Mike Dunn, who arrived in huh, yeah. uh, just a, a stunning trade on April Fool's Day when the Pirates got Vance Like and Spanky LaValier and Mike Dunn, and they gave up Tony Pena. I remember I was in college at the time, and I was taking a shower, and I had a shower radio on, and I heard that, and I just stood there with water blasting in my face thinking, did that really happen? They traded Pena? For who? And it turned out to be one of the best trades in Pirates history. Uh, Vance Lake obviously, you know, became a gold glove center fielder. He was okay with the Cardinals. Didn't seem like anything special, but became a gold glove guy with the Pirates. Spanky, you know, became a starter for a number of years, later platooned with Don Slot, but it was, it was a great lefty righty combo there behind the plate, but he was saw he hit Spanky hit 300, I think, and won a gold glove, I think, in his first season with the Pirates. Mike Dunn, had a fantastic first year with the, he began that season in the minors, was called up, went on a great run, uh, I think won like five or six in a row, just had a great year, 
And then you never heard from him again. <laughs> he just kind of, he, he, he limped along for another year or two with the Pirates and then left and his career just, you know, injuries were there and some other things and it just quickly nosedived and it was all over for him. So, you know, Mike Dunn was that guy that like, wow, it was there. And imagine what that trade would have been if he had continued to pan out. It would have been even greater than what it already was for the Pirates. Uh, and I looked at a couple other ways too that I, you know, you know, like who had maybe the one hit wonder for a half season, uh, a one hit wonder spring training, uh, guys who had uh, a guy who had uh-huh. yeah. one hit, which would have been Jeff Bannister, um, who was called up. He, he was drafted by the Pirates, and it was a long, you, you know, I detailed some of the long road that he went just to get there, breaking his back, almost losing his leg. Uh, the doctor said it might have to be amputated when he was in high school. Going through all that, being drafted, playing years in the minor leagues, finally getting called up to the Pirates. He had one at bat, singled, and then never played. A couple days later, he's sent back down to the minors, never makes it back to the big leagues, sure. uh, ever again. So that's, that was actually a literal one hit wonder. And then I also detailed a couple of one hitters that I was in the stands to witness, uh, the first one I can remember seeing was in the late, no, mid eighties, I guess, uh, Jose de Leon for the Pirates through a one hitter. And I believe the one hit was delivered. It was an RBI single double by, uh, Dave Parker, who was then with the Cincinnati Reds. Mm. So, um, yeah, so, so, you know, I looked at it from a couple of different angles and I hope folks enjoyed it. It's just, you know, like you say, it's one of those things we've been doing. Looking outside the box, trying to come up with some ideas. You know, you hate to just detail it. Remember that time when the Pirates won the 1979 World Series? <laughs> you know, you can only do that so many, <laughs> so many times. I mean, God bless AT&T Sports, but you know, I mean, it just, it just, you know, okay, we've seen those games now. Please don't, you know, I mean, you can show them again, I guess. You can just put them on a loop, but I don't know if people are going to be watching eventually. So. Right, right. These are some different yeah. uh, weird ways of looking at the game. I, in the much, I don't know if he's in your story, but in the much more uh, recent past, mm-hmm. I am always uh, very interested by the story of John Holdscomb. Oh, and no. this is a dude who is like a fourth round pick by the <laughs> Mets. He blows all his money. He blows out his elbow, has Tommy John, um, you know, leaves baseball and then... <laughs> In the magical 2014 year, he starts an indie ball and the Pirates pick him up in July. I mean, this is, you know, the second half of the season already and he quickly climbs the ranks and ends up, um, <laughs> being a September call at the start of September and strikes out the side in his, in his debut and, and ends up this dude made the, the playoff roster. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty absurd, uh, story. And then. Uh, the next year he's in, he's in camp. The year after that he's in camp, but he never cracks the major league roster again because he, uh, I think he had some injuries in that 2015 season. So, mm-hmm. uh, just like a, a crazy person. I mean, like a very, he's, he's like a six foot, probably what, eight, nine guy and, uh, would just be around the, he'd be ducking through doors in the doorways in the, in the clubhouse and then be playing hacky sack. It was his, I think his favorite thing to do more than pitching was play hacky sack. And, uh, and so there's a, a, a super interesting dude, like, you know, bad fashion sense, everything. And, uh, just sort of like faded into, into the ether. And he's, you know, he's only 32 still. Um, and 
don't know if he's still giving it a go anywhere. Uh, obviously, he hasn't pitched in the affiliated ball since 2016, but um, just a super interesting dude who had like a really, really short flash in the majors. But when he did, like it really, you know, opened people's eyes and made them yeah. think that he could be something pretty great for them for a while. Yeah, those kind of stories pop up every now and then, and they're always they're always especially when you look back at them and you, and you remember a little bit of the hysteria that, you know, maybe hysteria is not quite the word, but the excitement and, and the, yeah, the people who, who looked ahead and, and maybe, you know, expected more to be there. And, you know, I've had people mention him you know, over the years and say, gee, that way that wasn't it sucked the way that that worked out or, or ah, people overhyped him. Wait, just enjoy it. You know, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the way I always looked at it. Just enjoy it when it happens. And if it continues to happen, we'll enjoy it more. But if it doesn't, well, you know, you find something else to enjoy and you, and you just appreciate for what, what that was. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it, it would have been, you know, great if he becomes their setup man for the next five years, but, um, yeah. at least he had that moment, right? I mean, he, he's a guy mm-hmm. who went through a lot of ups and downs and has continued to, and uh, it's very, the guy's very open about that. And at least he had that, you know, that moment on the mountaintop. Because if he hadn't, his baseball career would have been, you know, you tell the story of his career a lot differently. Yeah. So I think it's a, I think it's a pretty cool thing. Well, before we go, Nez, I'm going to throw this out at you. This morning, Doug Glanville, uh, you know, player turned broadcaster, uh, threw this out on Twitter. Um, when you want to throw a baseball back and forth with another person, how do you ask them? Please let me know where you grew up to. And his two choices are want to want to have a catch or want to play catch. Tyler Kepner, uh, you know, I know him. He works for the New York Times, replied, have a catch, Philly suburbs. And my response to Tyler then was have a catch, Pittsburgh suburbs. And by the way, it's pop, not soda, Tyler, <laughs> which uh, has earned me some derision in some quarters and and support in others. How about for you? Have a catch or play catch? Yeah, I, I never heard have a catch until I think I came to Pennsylvania. That's that's not a thing uh, where I'm from. It was always play catch. You want to play catch? Um, mm-hmm. And I continue to say that, and I will never stop saying it. I don't know. So I, I don't know if it's a thing I got from my dad or or what, because I wasn't living in Michigan for the first, you know, when I started playing catch. So um, I don't know if it. It's probably something my dad, the way he explained it to us. But um, I thought, um, you know, it's a good debate, but uh, but clearly you guys are, are in the wrong here in Pennsylvania. Rob, one more, one more thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Snap back. Hold on. Derek, um, Derek Gould, Derek Gould, have a catch, Wisconsin Dells. Adam really? McCulvey, our fine uh, colleague from, from Milwaukee, play catch, Milwaukee suburbs. But I like the sound of have a catch, so I adopted <laughs> it in life. Also, according to Adam, it's soda. So, okay. mm, yeah, it was it was pop in Michigan, but that's the one thing I've actually <laughs> I've actually transitioned off of pop because I, I understand how silly it sounds. Um, <laughs> and the last thing I want I wanted to add before we let people uh, get on to their days here is we put up a uh, the Athletic Pirates fan survey today. Mm-hmm. I, I call it a fan satisfaction survey, uh, even though I don't. Uh, I think there's not going to be a whole lot of satisfaction being. Uh, <laughs> Put across, we are currently at 108 responses. They are, um, they are great. They're inform, uh, informative. They are hilarious. Um, they're uh, a quick sampling. I will give you is how do you describe the state of the pirates? We have it's now up to 91 responses. The first five 
are abysmal, disarray, sad, transition, sad, and then trash. Well, so, uh, but there actually are a lot more, um, you know, more nuanced takes. Uh, so we're gonna put those, <laughs> gonna put those all together, and then uh, put it into a story next week that sort of uh, takes the pulse of the of the fan base. So please go to theathletic.com, check out that uh, the Pirates page. You're gonna find the fan survey. Take it. It's easy. It's fun. And uh, and I'll I'll share the results uh, next week. Well, in line with that, speaking of satisfaction, I'm going to leave you and and audience with this hot take. In many ways, Devo's cover of Satisfaction is superior to the original version by the Rolling Stones. Rob Rossi, don't at me. There you go. All right. Take it easy. Stay safe. We'll talk to you later.